This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Keep Screaming, a podcast where two friends dissect slasher movies one by one. I think that's it. I will memorize it one day, but I'm pretty sure that's right. My name is Ryan Larson, and this is my co-host, B-Bass. Hello. Uh, we are here, as I just stated, to discuss slasher movies. Uh, so if you are new to the podcast, what we do is every episode, we'll give you a little uh, breakdown, pop culture check-in of what we've done this week as far as pop culture goes, and then we pick one movie every week, and we will uh, kind of break it down. We have our own little system. Um, it's like a whole cheat sheet that B makes every week. Um, I just show up and talk into a microphone. She does all the heavy labor, uh, and then we publish it. So, yeah, that's what you'll hear uh, when this comes out. Um, yeah, so we're going to roll into our weekly check-in of what we've been doing as far as, like, pop culture goes. It's not always horror-related, just kind of give you guys a feel of who we are and what else we do outside of horror, but also a lot of it is horror, because we're just big fans of the genre. Um, this week for me, I I watched, uh, I caught up on Marvel's Runaways on Hulu. It's a Hulu exclusive from, um, what's his name? Josh Schwartz, the guy who made The O.C., Stephanie Savage is a producer on it. She did a lot of work on Degrassi. Um, hail to both those shows. Yeah. All hail. And uh, if you guys haven't seen it yet, it's based off the Marvel comic uh, Runaways, which has been written by, uh, I mean, it was originally written by Brian K. Vaughn, and then Joss Whedon did a run on it. It's fantastic. The show is great. It's everything I love about teen drama. Mm-hmm. It's literally takes like a basic teen drama conceit of, teenagers rebelling against their parents but now it's like well they're rebelling against their parents because their parents are super villains and they kind of might be superheroes um so you know i don't want to spoil too much for it uh too much of it for you guys because i think it's a delight and uh going in blind like my wife did she had a blast with it because there's a lot of stuff that's kind of out of left field that you wouldn't expect from a show at all um but it works really well the cast is great um, the writing's really good. It's very different than the comic because the parents are much more sympathetic. Um, in the comic, the parents are more straightforward, just villains, like straight up They're super villain. villains. Yeah, they're super villains. Like, they don't give an F about their kids. They, like, murder, murder, murder for th- what they need, like, their gains. Um, I think the parents in this have a little more of a social con- or a moral compass um, and, like, care more about their children. But I, it, yeah. it works. It works. And I, I mean, I read the comic... Well, I read, like, the first, like, book of it. Mm-hmm. And it had been a few years, and so when I turned on Runaways, like, I knew it was based on that, but then it is so different that I had forgotten. And I was like, oh, yeah, it is based on this comic. What I do love is you're just, for me at least, I'm just as interested in the parents as I am yes. as the kids, mm-hmm. which I think is something that Josh Schwartz does really well. He's always done well. That's, I was going to say, because yeah. OC, he did great. Yeah. Gossip Girl, which he yeah. also made, is really good for the first couple seasons, yeah. and then the parents become pretty disinteresting. Yeah. It um, does a good job of, you know, sure, this is a show about like 15, 16-year-olds, but then also you're interested in the lives of their parents, and it's mm-hmm. not just obnoxious when they come on screen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I care about like 
the parents' yeah. story. And I thought I wanted to, like, at first, the parents seemed, like, really kind of generic and boring. Yeah. But they started adding these layers, and mm-hmm. it and it really works. So I caught up on that. Um, and it's I think it is technically the first season. Yeah, 10 episodes. I finished it last night. Yeah, they're not calling it a first half. Like, that's the full yeah, season. Yeah, it's the full season. Yeah. Um, but they have renewed it for a second season already. So definitely check that out if you can. Uh, I also saw... Uh, the Shape of Water uh, by Guillermo del Toro won a Golden Globe for that. What up, Guillermo del Toro? Uh, obviously, like a monster kid, like probably a lot of you are. Uh, I've always loved del Toro's work. Everything he does, everything he touches, I think is great. The Hellboys, I'm a big, big fan of. Um, I'm even a huge fan of like the very polarizing Crimson Peak, which was to me like a lot what The Shape of Water was. It's a it's a horror movie that's a romance. It's rom- it's very gothic romance, which is what the original Universal Monster movies were, were gothic romance. I loved Crimson Peak. Yeah, I love Crimson Peak too. And it's I, so rewatchable too. Like, <clears throat> it's become a comfort movie for me already. And Del Toro is just a big, um, one of the big reasons I'm a huge fan of his is he really pushes practical effects. And I think the further we get into using CGI and like, I agree there are times where CGI is going to look amazing and looks really good, but I also agree that practical effects age is better than CGI. It's why you can watch a movie like Jurassic Park over and over and over again, and it doesn't look dated, but you go back and watch a movie like Spawn, and it looks awful because the CG is just, um, it's easier to tell when that happens. And Del Toro's work on practical effects and his work with Doug Jones, who played Abe Sapien in the original Hellboy movie, of course, and are in both Hellboy movies and has uh, been in pretty much everything he's ever done. He's He did work in Crimson Peak. He did work in Pan's Labyrinth. He plays basically like the fish man in, in uh, Shape of Water. Uh, it's really a truly very beautiful movie. And these kind of movies don't get made very often anymore. Um, it's not a horror movie. I mean, of course, it has like horror tones because of, of fish man. But other than that, it's it, it really is like a period piece. It's a drama it's it's very funny um but it is a romance at its at its heart and i i can't suggest that one enough um i keep going back and forth on what my favorite of 2017 is now because i absolutely adore lady bird it probably helps that i live in sacramento which is where it took place but uh shape of water is really really high up there too um and i think that is all i did oh i'm trying um (laughs) to watch more director's discard or not discographies filmography so i watched a couple spielberg movies i watched duel which was great um uh, and then i watched uh close encounters of the third game which was of course wonderful because spielberg is the best um yeah so that's what i did this week as far as other than watching what were the movie we're discussing today yeah you should so what what was that resolution this is our first episode of the new year so oh, okay. do you have any relevant resolutions you want to share um yeah i have two i mean i have two definitely relevant resolutions one is to i want to watch more film uh, or directors filmographies so i wrote down a list of like 20 or so directors uh and then just took their like imdb page and i want to just run through it so i'm going to try to watch as many filmographies as i can from uh, a lot of like directors that are really big that i've always loved who i realized there's a lot of movies i haven't seen of there so even like spielberg who's realistically probably like my favorite director overall um i haven't seen all of his stuff john carpenter wes craven um uh robert altman um there's a lot of like older 
uh, definitely older directors, Billy Wilder, Alfred Hitchcock. I was going to say, he's severely lacking in his, in his Hitchcock films. Yeah, I've birds. seen like Psycho and The Birds and Rear Window. He hasn't yeah. seen North by Northwest. Nope. I've seen the famous scenes from North by Northwest. Yeah. But yeah, so all of those. So that's that's one of them. And then the other one is to at least get started on some sort of genre book. Um Probably nonfiction. I have a couple ideas that I've been tossing around, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, those are my two big New Year's resolutions that are relevant to uh, genre and to pop culture. Good. Exciting stuff. Yes. Um, So I spent, said the last, the date we last recorded was New Year's Eve. Um, So since then, I've been still like trying to catch up a little bit on things I missed from 2017 and fill in gaps. So. I caught Colossal, Mm -hmm. um, which was streaming on Hulu, and I fell absolutely in love with it. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean... I feel like I'm like obsessed with this film. I think about it every day. And I think part of the reason why, too, is because it is a monster movie, but it's a monster movie about humanity Mm -hmm. and, like, the monsters within you and in various forms and sort of how that manifests itself. And they do that with an actual physical monster. And it's just so beautifully acted and such a devastating... Um, portrayal of sort of the inner demons that we all all go through mm-hmm. and it's a very like interesting and smart look at alcoholism yes um and then i mean sudeikis is amazing like i mean just jaw-droppingly good mm-hmm. as an antagonist of a film which mm-hmm. you very rarely see him in that role almost never yeah he's always he's so like, charming and he's, he's so charming and he's even charming in this movie yes. and that's part of what makes sort of his shift into the enemy so much worse because you feel so betrayed by him mm-hmm. and as and says Anne hathaway's character and it's really scary and i think technically it got released last year but mm-hmm. i think it was made what like 2015 or something yeah it's been on the festival circuit for a while yeah. and it didn't get picked up for a minute and then it just got buried at the box office yeah. because just bad marketing came out at a bad time it was really portrayed as like a comedy like a which it's not funny ever there's a yeah there's like a few things here and there that'll make you like chuckle but it's definitely not no. like laugh out loud funny no. ever um it's it's very like it's a drama mm-hmm. and it's, it's a drama uh, it's, but yeah. Uh, yeah it's a drama with kaiju which like you just you know that's a weird thing to say but it's yeah. true and I actually, I, I agree. I think it was one of the, definitely one of the most underrated films of last year. It was. And as far as like, I think horror fans would love it. Even yeah. though it's not, just like even Shape of Water, I feel like those two movies actually go hand in hand a lot of using horror um, archetypes yeah. to do something different with storytelling. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, we talked about our top five on our bonus episode. Um, this probably would have made my top five Mm -hmm. for sure i loved it so much and um i think everybody should check it out and i definitely think like ryan said anybody who is even though it's not a straight horror film it is horror for sure um it's it's definitely something that you need to see um i did check something that was very well talked about i think towards the end of the year which was super dark times um wow 
That yeah. was, holy shit, just like punch you in the stomach. Yep. Uh, it was really good. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I loved it as much as like Ryan did or maybe a lot of other people, but um, just another, it had, it had some weird things for me and I loved, I loved what they did with, they had like some dream type sequences mm-hmm. in it and those I thought were just so freaking good. And I thought all the kids were good, and I laughed a ton. I thought and the kids were just no. The kids were so good. It was it was outstanding, and like that's and it's something that I'm trying to get better at. But at at my core, it, like I am, you know, um, a, a writer, uh, like or, or I hope to be an aspiring writer. So like I pay a lot of attention um, to script and to writing and dialogue and. Um, so when something like this, I think the movie was like beautifully composed anyways. Mm -hmm. And from us, like the cinematography was uh, like, just so good. And like, like the director obviously like knew what he was trying to craft, but like the writing was just like, it's the reason why stranger things is so good because it feels like something you said. It feels like some, like something kids say organic. Yeah. It's, it's so organic. It's not forced at all. Like, like B said, it's, it's, you laugh a lot of the movie. And I think that was actually something that drew a lot of criticism from it was like the laugh, how much you laugh, but it's because that is how kids act. They're trying to impress their friends. They're, they're, they're laughing like they're, they're kids. And yeah, so that's make inappropriate, like dick comments and, you know, be the whole, I just kept looking at Ben and ben, my husband watch it with me and he's like, I never talked like this as a kid. I'm like, yeah, that's because, and I'm like, I knew people who did. You were just a weird kid who like didn't say crazy shit like that. Oh, I definitely, that was That like, was you. It was like lifting conversations <laughs> yeah. from my child. Like a hundred, like the yearbook conversation, yeah. um, which I, uh, was a real conversation that, uh, cause the writers, Ben Collins, uh, Ben Collins and uh, Luke Petrowski were on the Shockwaves podcast, which we talk about frequently, um, but they were on there and they even said like some of those conversations were like yeah. lifted from real conversations yeah. that they had or and had you can overheard. Tell that. Yes. That's where the script shined. And, you know, again, like Ryan said, really beautiful. I think it had um, some like weird moments. I think the um, third act is weird. It's really weird and they don't, it, you don't necessarily connect to that. Mm-hmm. You kind of get there and you're like, oh, okay. Um, but still really fantastic. And I mm-hmm. think um, it's going to. It's really depressing, and it's definitely going to put you, like, down after you, know, you watch it. <laughs> you know how, like, um, they say often, like, when you look back at movies, like, in decades, like, you can you can tell what the what the environment of the world is like. Like, that's kind of just, like, I feel like that's – we. if you go back and listen to our podcast, what, what are we, five, six episodes in now, you can tell we talk about a lot of movies that are bleak. And it's a th- it's a reoccurring theme right now, and I think it's just because a lot of people, no matter what, are like no matter what. You horror know, is always a social commentary. Yeah, horror is a social commentary, and like I don't think it matters. I'm not speaking for like one side or the other as far as like whatever religion, politics, whatever you are. It's just like the world can be a pretty bleak place right now with like everything that's happening in world economics and everything. And I think it reflects here, and it's like it channels it through a way, like especially super dark times that I think. It channels it from a way that's very grounded because it's in the small little town with these people, you know, with these kids. And so, yeah, uh, but it is it is uh, a bleak movie for sure. And it, it, I think what's really weird, what was jarring for me was the first watch. The first scene and the last scene are so 
like obtuse like you're just like what the what does this have to do with anything Mm -hmm. and then as time went on and i've watched it like two or three times now i kind of like draw my own things from it and i think a lot of it has to do with like sexuality and like um maturing and things like that but yeah um definitely that's on netflix so you can watch that one easy um i don't know where colossal is hulu okay yeah i watch on hulu um so both those are streaming um yeah it definitely and you know ryan's right like i feel like everything i've been watching has been super in like the horror world is really dark and down and bleak and holy shit like it comes at night like Mm. all these movies you watch and you're just like you finish it and you're like wow like bummer like that was really good but bummer they're very hopeless yeah like there's no like there's no saving grace there's Mm. no humanity left even colossal it's just so Mm. devastating so it's nice which the movie we talked about today happy death day is just like a nice break from that and and I love the horror genre in general, but I think that's why I'm so drawn to slashers because you can have that darkness, but there's always light with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, really good. And then um, I watched a few other things. Um, God, I can't really remember. I don't know what I've been doing. I watched The Runaways. Um, I forgot I had done that and Ryan put it on his list. Um, I've been reading a lot, so that's one of my New Year's resolutions. I've always been a big reader. Um but with school and like craziness, I get out of habits and I love audiobooks. I listen to a ton of audiobooks. But I noticed like the last six months I've been, you know, favoring podcasts mm-hmm. or getting back into music. It's really hard when you have a ton of interests yep. and so little time. So I was just like, you know what? I miss books. So it's been my it's my goal to read every day. And that includes audiobooks. I count that as reading. It's the same thing. Uh, so for at least 10 minutes, I just want to... with your ears. Yes, exactly. So even if I, like, it just means my morning commute, I'm going to read or I'm going to pick up a book before I go to bed and turn off the TV. So I, um, got My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix for Christmas, um, through a, like, little friend Secret Santa exchange. Mm -hmm. And I'm finally, I'm like, I'll finish it today. I'm like 10 pages away from finishing. Um, really excellent. It's great. It... It's based in the 80s. It has like a Mean Girls meets The Exorcist theme. Mm -hmm. Um, For a male author, he does a really excellent job of portraying um, young girls in high school. Yeah. Like I, like the the name to me, like I had a friend named Grace that we called Grady like when I was younger. So I like kind of forgot. I knew who he was, but I had kind of forgot when I was like reading it. And I was like, wow, like this must be a girl. And I looked it up. I'm like, oh shit. Well, he's really tapped in, like did some legwork because it really felt like everything I was reading. I was like, yep, this is what being a teenage girl was like. This is like the absolute hell that it was. And how everything when you're that age just seems like the end of the world. And you can never get over even the smallest things. So really good i mean it's in it's definitely a horror novel oh yeah and grady hendrix is uh, if you guys haven't checked his work out oh, um he wrote from hell yeah paperbacks from hell and which is horror store horror store yeah. which horror store is about being trapped in a store that's like an ikea it's spelled uh horror s-t-o-r with like an umlaut over the yeah. o so it's being trapped in like a store like I, an ikea-esque store that's like 
essentially the stores the monster is trying to kill the people and then paperbacks from hell's nonfiction, and it um dives into like horror uh paperbacks from like the 70s onwards um and it it all of them like it just dives into things that were novelizations but also just into like art and uh what were the, what were the trends and how at those times like paperbacks actually pushed like movie trends because um certain like the exorcist or the omen which or rosemary's baby which were all novels at first got picked up for like movie options once like the others got made so yeah it's a really fascinating read but even in that he manages to keep like his kind of tongue-in-cheek wit um in a non-fiction prose which is impressive and then um b got the paperback of my best friend's exorcism which if you see this cover it's fantastic oh, it's so good i wish i had the artist who did it i can't remember who it was i've talked to him on twitter um but it looks like an old VHS tape. Uh, like of an red... 80 slasher. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing that's great. Yeah. Of like, so it's got like even like the little um, genre sticker on the front of it that says horror. Um, but yeah, so that's a fun one to pick up. Um, and yeah, just, I know that paperback is new. It just came out. So that's definitely check out Grady Hendrix because he's going to be a big name in like mm. horror for a while now. We're trying to find out who did the art on it. Uh, Doogie Horner, that's who it was. Yeah, so check him out. I I know they're on Twitter, um, so you can see his artwork there. But it's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, what else you got? Anything? Um, I think that's pretty much it. Um, nothing, nothing really too exciting else to get into. Um, so we can just sort of dive into Happy Death Day, which um. The synopsis is a college student must relive the day of her murder over and over again in a loop that will end only when she discovers her killer's identity. So this is a Blumhouse production film. It is our newest film that we've talked about. It came out Friday the 13th of October of 2017, um, which was really exciting to have a slasher come out last year. It was great to have it. Especially Halloween time. Yeah, Yeah. it was in October. It was on Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. Um, it was super great. I think I saw it that Sunday and um, came budget four point eight million, made a whopping one hundred and fifteen point one million box office. That's it, huge. It for was a, a smash success, like massive. Yeah, that's kind of the Blumhouse formula too. Is like uh, make them cheap and make them cheap and just market them well. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy too. Like I don't understand why more studios. Do. I understand. Like you have your tentpole franchises, like Marvel is. Or Disney, rather, is going to put out Star Wars and Marvel movies. And Universal is always going to put out, like, their Fast and Furious. And their kids, like, their kids' animation studio does very well with, like, Despicable Me and Minion. But, like, why do they keep making all these movies for 40 to $100 million? And when they don't make money, the, the whole franchise is tanked. Or they just don't make money. And it's like, look at Blumhouse, who is making, the like, household name movies. Mm-hmm. Sinister, Conjuring, I mean, Paranormal Activity. Like, these are all micro-budget movies, like, especially compared, like, Paranormal Activity truly was micro-budget. It was less than a million dollars when it came out. And then, but even even their quote-unquote big-budget movies, like The Conjuring and things, are you're looking at, like, maybe double-digit million. Um, very rarely are you going to run into the success of, like, It, which was, yeah. uh, even even for a major studio movie, was lower. I think it was, like, 40, 50, I want to say, um, around there, and it just crossed 700 mil at the Worldwide Box Office. I don't get it. Fall Blumhouse. They're obviously successful. 115 million. 
which is like it's not chump change but compared to a four million dollar budget that's crazy crazy profitable and it hasn't even come out so that's not even including that's just the box office that's not including what's going to happen when it comes out physically Right, um, which is uh, this upcoming week. Comes up the, the 16th. Mm-hmm. And it is out now digitally. You can buy it only through like iTunes, Amazon, wherever you get movies. Yes, and then we'll be able to rent it as well when the Blu-ray comes out. Um, but definitely it's going to be one worth buying. And not only are they making these cheap and doing well, but they're, the reception of these films is mm-hmm. I mean, this is 71% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean like, I think uh, for... if you're a horror, if you are a horror fan, you understand. If you're not, just so you know, how horror usually works is if a horror movie comes out, like you know, they're we're kind of living in this like renaissance of horror where movies like Get Out and The Shape of Water, which is horror esque, come out and they pull these like crazy high Rotten Tomatoes like Metacritic scores. That doesn't always happen. Like I remember, I distinctly remember being in high school and Rob Zombie's Halloween came out and I went and checked on the reviews and it was over fifty percent. I was like, ooh, that's good yeah i was like over 50 percent for the rob zombie mm-hmm. remake of halloween so like to see a 70 percent i is like super solid for me especially for like a brand new it's even harder when you have like a new ip mm-hmm. like a brand new ip horror slasher like i i yeah that's a great score so yeah i'm happy with it yeah and i think it's it's you know well received in the horror community as well i think mm-hmm. people are Very really happy well. with it um and it was something I wanted to talk about, too, because this is one of the first ones that we've, one, already seen. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think it'd be fun if we talk about our first experience with the film, if we can remember it. Yeah. So I watched this the weekend it came out. Um, I didn't watch it that Friday the 13th. I watched it that Sunday. I reserved Friday the 13th for a Friday the 13th movie at my house. Right. Um, but watch it in the theaters. It was really great to be in a packed house. Um, went with my friend Robin. Um, and, you know, the whole audience was super into it. And it was definitely something that I am glad I got that experience in the theater, which I usually do for most horror of this type. Um, sometimes they, you know, the audience can ruin it if they're like a bunch of young teens, like being ridiculous. Yeah. Wow, I sound old by saying that. But, you know, I don't enjoy like the like, oh my God, like when something hasn't happened yet, when people are like just there to be silly and not actually to enjoy the movies. I've felt that way since I was a teenager. Yeah. So I, I mean, same. Saying it. Yeah. Well, mainly just because I'm there to enjoy the experience and, you know, other people are there just because it's something to do. Um, but I didn't have that experience with it. Um, it was just all around really enjoyable. And I think it made me even more excited to see it like on a physical release because I was excited to like then watch it in a quiet environment and see how it felt. And it still was great. Yeah. So in, I, it's something I've always tried to do since I've like had enough money to do it. I've, I've tried usually to go see most horror movies in theaters because I want to support the genre, obviously. And I, and you know, like I do think seeing it on a big screen is a different experience and seeing it in a crowd is a different experience. And, you know, uh, I would say like 2017 was one of the best like crowd going years I had because, uh, I was just so pleased with like how people reacted to it because it just, people loved it and were captivated and how people reacted to get out because I literally saw it create conversations, which was incredible. Um, and people walk out a mother completely puzzled or upset (laughs) like I was. Yeah. Spoiler. Sorry. I hate that movie. Uh, you can talk to me on Twitter if you want about it at Ryan Larson. 
we'll get into it. But I saw this alone uh, on, on opening night, so it must have been Thursday. Thursday, Thursday night. Um, yeah, went by myself. Was mostly to myself even in the theater because the seats next to me were empty until literally 30 minutes before the movie was over. Some really oh, high I people. About that. Some really <laughs> high people walked in, sat in the seats, and then the guy sitting next to me is like eating his popcorn hell loud and he's laughing at stuff. And then he turns to me and he's like, Did I miss some of the movie? And I was like, Yeah, it's almost over. And he's like, Shit. So that was pretty hilarious. Um, they were crazy high. Uh, but just like B, the crowd reacted very favorably. It wasn't like people, you know, luckily because it's not your type of jump scare insidious type of movie, so you're not getting a lot of those like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. um, so it was just a lot of, like, laughing and a lot of just, like, you you could tell, like, people were really happy. And, again, it was packed. It was a packed house. I, I remember going and, like, I thought I was just going to, like, walk right in and get my seat and have my choosing. And I went to buy my ticket because I have a movie pass. And I go to pick my seat, and there were, like, nine left. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll sit, like, way up here on the corner. But didn't matter. I just absolutely love the movie. Uh, and that's something I'll continue to try to do, like, as often as I can is going out and seeing. And I've been even um, trying to see, like, uh, we have a, like, independent theater in town that shows older movies. So, like, I've gone and seen Jaws, and I've gone and seen The Shining. Uh, but, yeah, like – Definitely, if you can, from now on, try to go see these types of movies in theaters because it is a different type of experience. And as a fan of movies in general, but also like the horror genre in specific, it's just fun to see how people react to something you also love. And, you're, <clears throat> and you know, those box office numbers matter. Yep. You're supporting nope. the film and you're yeah. supporting the potential of that director getting another movie yep. or, you know, that actor getting another role and... And unfortunately, that really is all comes down to the numbers. And yeah. so every mm-hmm. movie that we can go support in the genre is a better chance we're going to get more of them. Yeah, trust like trust me, like I've been very fortunate to even get a little tiny like foot in the door of the entertainment industry. And the people I know, like filmmakers I know, are just like, you know, they tell me how important it is. And they're like so gracious. Even... Um, Christopher Landon, the director of yeah. this movie, has tweeted at B and I both numerous times. And there's other like Ricky Bates, Graham Skipper. Uh, there's just all these people that have. Uh, I mean, Kevin Smith uh, just tweeting at us when we mention their movies. It's very, very important. So yeah, just support. Go support film, please. Thank you. Yes. yes. Okay, get up. Um, we're we'll done preaching. Our, yeah, yeah, we'll get off our soapbox, but it is something that's important to both of us. And we're both artists, mm-hmm. you know, being writers and designers. That's you know something where you know we want to make sure these people get recognized absolutely um speaking of art let's talk about the poster um so the poster for this uh which we'll post on twitter for you guys to see but um it's like a sheet cake that says happy death day like in the icing and then it's got you know all the gist of the the type at the bottom you see the um baby mask um in the knife and the knife's got frosting on it to resemble blood. And, um, yeah, it's it's effective. It's not the best, but it's all right. It's simple. It looks like a teaser poster that never yeah. like they never expanded on. Um, I'm wondering if it's going to be the box art for the Blu-ray. I yeah, imagine it will be. I haven't seen the – I haven't even thought to look and see yeah. if the Blu-ray art's out. Uh, uh, but I don't know if it's going to be. But, yeah, like B said, it's simple, but it's effective. Like, it definitely – 
like it gets the point across. I think it's a they, birthday. They, um, I don't think they anticipated this movie to be what it was. Yeah. Like even the like amount of success it had, but I think people like you know we've been preaching that slasher revival. I think people are ready for it, so um, I think that's part of the reason it did a lot better. Um, I do think I preferred like the international poster better. Um, so you actually see it's like full frame um, of the Bayview. Um, it's Bayview, right? Bay- Bayview, yeah. Bay- no. Yeah. Right yeah. Bayview babies. I yeah. Know. Bay something babies. Um, the mascot, and then his face is illuminated by the candle, and the candle is dripping blood. Uh, the reason I prefer this is one, it's more interesting, and two, there's the cupcake is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the prominent, literally the prominent weapon. Um, in this, I mean the the knife is too, but this is. The most symbolic thing of the entire film is the cupcake. So it kind of bugs me that the other poster is a sheet cake. I get it, um, but I enjoy the them doing the blood on the cupcake more. Yeah. So this one's really cool. Uh, um, it, that, that will be the Blu-ray box art. Okay. Yeah. So, um, And it is Bayview University. There we go. Thanks, Dr. Internet. Woohoo! So uh, the ca- tagline um, on the poster and for the movie is, Get up, live your day, get killed again it's fine it's all right i'm not in love with it i nah. think it's long for what it is too long yeah whatever like it could have been like i think this goes get back up to- live die repeat or something i don't know but yeah um live to die another day yeah that sounds like a james Bond movie sounds like a die hard movie <laughs> yeah it could be any I, of those it might actually be a die hard movie <laughs> get- Another day to die hard, I think, is what I don't oh. know. I don't, I'm, I'm lacking just, in my die hard knowledge. Yeah, we discovered that last episode. Maybe I'm just going to now, my new career is going to be pitching new titles for the die hard films. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be a good job. I know. That'd Who be, wants to give me that job? That's how Hollywood used to work. Was you're like, I'm going to come up with a dope ass title. Now let's write a movie around yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's great. Uh, yeah, no sequels, though Christopher Landon has stated uh, that they do have one planned um he has he's quoted as saying the answer to why she's literally stuck in a time loop it's something uh i have an answer to it's in my back pocket because knock on wood you never know how things are going to go and we're not counting our chickens but if i'm lucky enough to have the opportunity to make a sequel the answer to that question is the premise of my sequel um we talked about a possible sequel uh it's on our our feed so you can hear it but our joint episode with brendan klein who runs the scream 101 podcast um we talked about the possibility of a sequel and like what we'd like from that uh i don't know how much i want to see tree again because i feel like her arc is completed but if he has something smart like you know he says in his back pocket that can make me interested or maybe it'd have to be pretty good though because I'll admit, like, part of the reason I like this movie so much is because I don't get a lot of backstory on why it's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I like there's not, like, some huge detailed thing of, like, oh, yeah, like, Bayview College is actually, like, a, a loop, like, has some weird loop in it. It's on and, the hell like, mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm, just, I'm like, because sometimes I think, uh, think a lot of times with stuff like that, it can feel shoehorned in. It's one of the reasons... Uh, like it was one of the detractors for me for lights out was like too much backstory i think there's a uh, i think sometimes like there's good balance um and it wouldn't it's not revealing anything about the killer so unlike something like silent night deadly night where i'm getting a lot of backstory that helps me uh sympathize with the killer and understand their motive or even like i think urban legend does that pretty well Mm -hmm. in like a small condensed amount of time this would be more about like tree and like why she had a time loop i don't 
know how much they can make it work. But, you know, I this was great, so I trust that they can do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I I wouldn't mind seeing Tree, but I like the idea of maybe her helping somebody else. Mm-hmm. Or instead of finding out why, you know, why she's getting killed and who's killing her, her finding out why she got in the time loop. Yeah. You know, I think it can be done. I do agree that it would be easy to be like, oh my God, we didn't need this. This wasn't necessary. But I like the idea that he said that it's already been planned and that it's, if you look in the first movie, you will see clearly why. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing I hate worse than, here's a movie, it did well, okay, let's try and figure out a sequel to it. Like, it sounds like it's already planned out. Which gives me more faith. Right. And too. I also, I hate when movies break their, when they establish rules and break them for the sake of a, con, uh, like a sequel, like The Ring 2, the American version of The Ring 2. It's part of the reason I hated it is because the first one's set up and it's like, this is why this movie exists and this is why Samara exists. And they take care of it by the end of the movie. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, that was great, you know? And then The Ring 2 came out and they decided instead of moving in a different direction to bring back Naomi Watts and, and her son. Um, and like they sh- they like weirdly force this plot in where it's like well you know all that stuff we established in the first one well like fuck it it doesn't really matter all that shit you did doesn't really matter and Samara can kind of do whatever she wants and there's like some weird now you got to figure it out in a different way and I don't like that I I don't like mm-hmm. when like I don't like establishing rules to break them that annoys me um, so like B said it sounds like they kind of backdoor planned the sequel anyways which gives me more hope too because yeah if they can make it so it's still like so just so it's not like forced then i think that's better mm-hmm. uh and b even tweeted it landon and he confirmed online which is always fun but. yeah so for sure he will if he gets a sequel which i don't see why they're not going to give him one yeah i don't either he will explain the time loops or anybody who watched this and was frustrated i had no problem with it really um, but if you did watch it and go, cool, like, we get that's who killed her, but why the hell the killer... Because it's true, the killer has nothing to do with the time loop. She, The mm-hmm. killer doesn't know the time loop's happening. Yeah. So if that bugged you and you felt like, what, that's ending it and they're not telling you, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Also, just shout out to Landon for all the tweets because uh, I could be a very successful, famous screenwriter or director one day, and I will still freak out every time I get like a like or a reply from yeah. someone that I admire. So that's really fun. Thank you for replying to us. Yeah, it means a lot to like watch something, love it, see the love in it, and like I share that on Twitter. I have a question about it, and then the director or the writer, one of the actors, comes out and says hey, glad you liked it, or yes, that's true, or whatever. Like, you know, the the killer in uh, Most Likely to Die. Like, oh, yeah. He shared the, you know, and that's obviously, he did not make a movie that went on to be a huge sensation that made $115 million like Christopher Landon did, so that definitely meant a lot. But it even meant a lot that, you know, that actor then shared the poster that we made and was like, you know, thanks for watching. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's so. awesome, so... Just share love, guys. Uh, yeah, so reciprocate love. We are, I know. Um, the score was done by Bear McCreary, which is a great name. It is. Um, he has won an Emmy for his main title on Da Vinci's Demons, which uh, I think I actually watched the first season of and kind of forgot about. Um, and oh, then yeah, I, you're reminded. 
What just happened? Oh, B's phone turned on. She thought it thought it Oh, Suri it. thought we were talking. Oh, what's it say? Suri, play get you know that obviously he does not make a movie. Oh, she's just talking to me. Oh, but this is the oh, there's oh. Some, some about lemonheads. Like this for lemonheads. All right. Thanks, Suri. Sorry, guys. Weird tangent. Um, Bear McCreary has also done a ton of genre work. The Boy, 10 Cloverfield Lane, Colossal. Colossal! Yeah, Walking Dead. Really He's done episodes of Black Mirror, Battlestar Galactica. So obviously well versed in in that world um i don't really remember the score <laughs> i do so okay. i'll talk about it so the part i really liked about this score is that there is the use of violin which is obviously mm. ex- the most popular instrument and in like orchestra to use in horror scores that really build there's something about a violin just freaky as fuck yep. like really so he does that, like, I particularly noticed it in um, the one of the earlier kills in the scene in the movie where she's in her, she locks herself in the bedroom, she, like, boards it up, and she's, like, creeping into the bathroom because she realized that she didn't check the uh-huh. bathroom. Uh-huh. And he just uses a lot of, like, weird noises, like, they sound like gargles, or you can tell it's not just music. He uses sound effects oh, cool. to make it music, and it's creepy as hell. And I was listening to that, and it's like, and then the violin. And I'm okay. like, oh, oh, it's like really unsettling. So I think all the moments where it's like one of those tense things where like, is the killer going to be behind the shower curtain? And she's like slowly walking up to it, and you're, you know, that's... The score's main focus in a horror film is to build the tension in that part. He does that in an interesting way with those like weird sound effects within the music that I really enjoyed. Well, good. Yeah. I I didn't like hate it. Obviously, I just don't really remember it. Yeah. Sometimes, if I'm not paying like m- making sure to pay attention, um, or if it's not like com- like really. Like, sometimes there are scores that completely stand out to me, like movies like The Guest and It Follows mm-hmm. uh, or Carpenter. It feels like its own character. Yeah, but, like, I think a lot of that has to do with a synth-heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so something like this I sometimes miss on. And I think you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be, like, the four. This isn't the type of film for the score to really shine. Right. It's there to aid Accentuate. In, yeah, yeah, aid in the moments where I think even in It Follows – the, the score and, like, the guests and, like, things like that, the score is almost part of the killer. Right. And part of the film, there to kill you as its own character, where this is really just to aid tension in the movie. So I think it's not really supposed to stand out. I was just noticing it in that scene because I was like, oh, what's that noise? I don't like that noise. That's creepy. Uh, yeah, it goes back to, like, my thing. Sometimes, and I notice this, like, B in particular, I, that's why I like watching movies with her, because she pays attention to a lot of things that I miss. Like, I have a friend, my friend Jared, who, like, listens, he's a musician, so we listen to music differently. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy listening to music with him, because he'll point things out that I'm like, I never even thought about that. Or he'll be like, yeah. dude, that's so hard to do. And I'm like, really? Like, that's, I never would have even thought about mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, that's that's why we do these things. Uh, we, yeah. di- we didn't get to watch this one together. It's the first one, yeah, the uh. first, first one? No, we, no we don't watch. We don't watch Most Likely to Die together. Yeah, so, um, but it's definitely better when we can. Um, fun fact: Fifty Cent was used in the trailer, but they couldn't secure rights for the movie, so instead, the ringtone that you get through the whole movie uh, is this. It's your birthday. Yeah. It's your birthday. And brr. you don't have to pick up the phone. Yeah, it's like, really annoying. So annoying. It's just stuck in your head. That was originally Fifty Cent's and a club. 
Into Club. Yeah. Into Club. No, it was... Um, no, yeah, Into, Into Club, Club is the birthday Club. song. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I listened to 50 Cent. He's not on my Spotify rotation. Oh, God. Uh, Christopher Landon directed... Uh, he was a writer for a long time. He wrote Blood and Chocolate, which is an interesting werewolf movie. I like that movie. It's all right. Um, but he also wrote Disturbia, which <laughs> I, I like a lot more. Yeah, love Disturbia. We're both big Disturbia fans. Also, Obviously, Rear Window, Shia. hello, Hitchcock. Yeah, it's, I mean, that movie is just Rear Window, pretty much. Uh, Paranormal it's Activities, like... two through five. So kind of hit and miss in there. But I'm I'm actually a big fan of the Paranormal Activity franchise, save for like, I'd say every other one. One, three, well, not five. So one, three, and four. Uh, two and five are very meh for me, but... Uh, and I can't speak for any of those because I watched the first Paranormal Activity and left the theater very angry uh, and wrote it off. I think they're fun, and I uh, I applaud them for like the storytelling that they have. because he's scared of demons. I am afraid of demons. You say the word demon, so I'm like, I'm watching a movie, and it's kind of creepy, but I'm like, oh, it's just a ghost. And then someone's like, no, it's a demon. And I'm like, oh. I, my dad was Jehovah's Witness, is a Jehovah's Witness. So growing up, that was like ingrained in my head. I'm like, that's that evil shit. Like, that's the evilest shit it gets. So, yeah, it's... That's why. You just um, have to whisper demon to Ryan. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. And then I, like, I'll go in a different room and like say a little prayer. Um, <laughs> it was direct, uh, He directed Burning Palms, which is kind of like, a, uh, like an anthology-esque. It like, takes place over one night, like five different point of views. But also Paranormal Activity, the Mark ones, which I thought was a blast because it's like weirdly almost a superhero movie in the Paranormal Activity universe. And then um, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, uh, which was very, very overlooked. Um, I almost never even watched it because I'm so burnt out on zombies, but I did end up watching because I really like the main character, the lead actor, Ty Sheridan, who plays Cyclops in the new um, X-Men movies. And I definitely check it out if you can. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the writer is Scott Lobdell, which I didn't know going into the movie. And as I'm staying to watch the credits, um, I knew there was no post credit. I stayed to watch the credits because uh, my number one homie, Ryan Turek, my internet mentor, was executive producer on this movie, and it was just super cool to see it. I took a picture of it and like sent it to him. I was like, hey, dude, super proud of you. And he's like, thanks, man. Uh, also, you should just stay to the credits to give honor to the hundreds and thousands of people who work on films. Oh, yeah, that too. Um, yeah. But Scott Lobdell, <laughs> when it was like written by Scott Lobdell, and I was like, oh, really? Like, is it the same one I know? I'm a huge comic book fan. So the name definitely like resonated with me because he's written a ton and a ton of stuff, but he's very, very famous for writing X-Men. Uh, he had a big like X-Men run back in the 90s. And he's um, done like a, he's done stuff everywhere. I mean, he's done stuff for Top Cow, Image. He's written some Buffy. He's written The Darkness, Excalibur, Fantastic Four. Just like everything you could possibly imagine, he's done. Um, so it was cool to see that he was the one. Also, just not anything I would have expected from Scott Lobdell. Uh, he was kind of known as like he was from the era when everything was like edgy. Uh, like everyone wore like twenty belts and like <laughs> and like it would like. I don't I had nine hundred guns, so I like just, in the comics or in real life. No, in the comics. Oh, like everyone. I like, thought you talking about like hot topic. Belts no, everyone like, had bullets. everyone had belts with just like but like nothing in the pockets. But I don't. Yeah, so it was unexpected. Um, and then of course Jason Blum uh, produced. He's I, I I honestly I can say this with full confidence that he is the most important man in horror right now. So. That's Bee's dogs, by the way. If you can't, if you can hear them, that's her dogs. If you can't, they're ghost dogs. 
Apparently there is a ghost in my house, according to my husband. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, B, you want to cover the cast? Yeah, so we get Jessica Roth as Tree, uh, Teresa, um, La La Land. She's one of the roommates in one of the solid color dresses. That's sort of like her big claim to fame for this. Um, Israel Broussard as Carter. Um, he's in the bling ring. Um, Ruby Modine as Lori. She's in Shameless, if anybody watches that. Um, and then, you know, it's a pretty small cast. Mm-hmm. So Charles Aitken as Gregory Butler. Um, Laura Clifton as his wife, Stephanie. Jason Boyle as David Geldman, Tree's dad. Um, Rob Mello plays Tombs. And Rachel Matthews plays um, Danielle. And I actually looked because I thought she was great in this. It's like one of her only credits. Oh, wow. So she's really new and I see lots lots in her future. She was great. A lot in like, um, I can't speak to Shameless. I don't know how much Modine's on um, Shameless. But like uh, Roth has, is very relatively unknown too. Like in mm-hmm. her role in in La La Land is completely ancillary. Oh, like, yeah. It barely exists. Um, she, literally, I would say the dress, the color of her dress stood out more than she did. Yeah. No offense to her. That, that's the design of the movie. Yeah. Um, They're and not then, supposed to stand out. Uh, I saw the bling ring in theaters. It's a, uh, what's her name? Coppola. Sophia Coppola yeah. uh, flick. And um, I knew I recognized Broussard. I just never made the connection because, again, that movie's very subdued too. And, it's um, been a long time, 2010. I feel like I lived in Santa Cruz when that movie was out. It so came out yeah, twenty ten. I think so. No, because I saw it with Ash, twenty twelve. You think? Or thirteen, maybe. It was one of the worst movie, first movies 13. I saw. Yeah, twenty thirteen. <laughs> one of the worst, one of the worst movies, movies. No, I it saw. was one of the first movies I saw with her in theaters. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, and even in that, I mean, he had a lead role, but that movie wasn't huge. So these are like relatively like mm-hmm. smaller actors. Which Blum likes to do. Yeah. And they and they do a great job. They carry yeah. the movie. The whole yeah. I mean every single one of these characters, the cast is small, but they're great and they, they all have great chemistry with each other. Mm-hmm. And that goes um, um I love Jessica Roth as Tree um her and Carter were f- really fun. Um mm-hmm. because they have a very like n- like they have a natural chemistry from the start, and that even goes from her being, like, kind of bitchy to him. Like, just um, kind of, uh, you know, just not wanting anything to do with him. And then as the film goes on and on and on, and, you know, she's obviously reliving this day over and over and over again. And he doesn't know that, but she, like, is – she's warming up to him and, like, understanding him more as a person. And their chemistry just plays really well together. Uh, so I like that. But also, like – all of her interactions um, with her dad was very genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with um, Danielle was ridiculous. I mm-hmm. mean, Danielle's like the classic, like... Regina? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was going to say the classic mean girl. Yeah. And she does a great job at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Do we have a... When do we talk about the movie? What do you mean the movie? When we get into our kills. Yeah, okay. There we go. I'm like, I was like, do I talk about... Uh, <laughs> when do we talk about this? And we we should mention, if you haven't listened to before, um, we are going over the history, which obviously doesn't have any spoilers yet, but then we do dissect it kill by kill. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. going to give it all away. So yes. if you haven't seen it and you don't want it ruined, um, you should watch it first. And we do understand if you didn't see it in theaters, um, that's hard to do. So just fair warning, we're about to get real spoilery. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a horror comedy, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's straight up. They've straight up said they lifted from Groundhog's Day, which is a comedy, one of the most like well-received comedies of all time. And uh, so it's definitely a horror comedy. I, I think it uh, applies. Like, it's, it's a teen scream-ish, but there is some stuff I feel like missing especially once you get in the second half of the movie mm-hmm. I, I it it deviates from that because like for yeah. me teen screams you're looking at like you know that school setting or like that classic like let's go out to the this house in the middle of the woods and have a yeah. party and like you kind of get that in the beginning because she is in a sorority and like she goes to parties and stuff but as the movie progresses we're getting farther away from that because she's like trying to figure out this mystery and because she's reliving the same day over and over again like you know like we're seeing she has to go in these different directions realistically because she only has one day so we're not seeing her go, go do the same thing every day after the, i'd say about halfway through the movie yeah i like that one of your subgenres is time loop horror yeah so it's like all uh final destination what oh yeah. well i guess kind of um there's a movie what's that movie i saw movie looper <laughs> no well yeah but it's that's not a horror, horror movie uh t- triangle oh yeah with uh what's her face I can see the cover. Melissa of that something, the one who was in Amityville Horror and uh, Thirty Days of Night. I can never remember her name. But, oh yeah, that girl. Uh, but yeah, that was a like a time loop one, um, and also Groundhog Horror, great subgenre. Yeah. Uh, um, um. Spoiler: No groundhogs. <laughs> yeah, the iconic weapon. Not really one. I guess, like B said, the cupcake would be the closest because we find out, like, we're going to get spoilery. We find out it's poisoned. Yeah, and that's like... That's how the killer is trying to kill Tree. Every it, single day. Every day. Um, but the killer mostly uses, uh, like, a large butcher's knife. Every kill... But almost, almost every kill is pretty different. Knife. And they're all really different, but almost all of them are with a knife. Yeah. There's a few exceptions, but majority knife. Yes, one time they blow up a car. But and he, he breaks a bong. Oh, yeah, and he breaks a bong, like, in or her she. throat? Yeah. Something? Yeah. I know, we, we don't get to see it. Does something with right. a broken bong. Um, the killer, him, herself, but it's a her. It's, so, yeah. killer, herself, um, the mask is a really creepy baby face, which, when you see it, at first, you're like, that's stupid. Yeah. I was like, I was like, like that's a, a weird joke. mask. Yeah. Like, like, oh, this is a, I know what you... Shrieked last, yeah, whatever that yeah. movie's called. It's yeah. a scary Shriek movie. If you know what I did last Friday the Thirteenth, yeah, that one. Um, like when we saw the trailer for this, my wife literally was like, "Is this a horror movie? Like, why has <laughs> it got a baby face?" And I was like, "I don't know. It's kind of creepy." And like, it, it's never like, "Oh my god, that's so scary." Very few masks are actually scary, but it is creepy. Like, it's creepy it's like for a, a grown yeah. person to be wearing this like one tooth curl baby mask big old blue-eyed baby yeah and also it's really weird to see groups of people wearing it because her bayview university like she walks by groups of people and they're all wearing this creepy baby and the flag for the school is like this like a baby like just like this baby sitting there in a diaper and i'm like who chose this mascot i look so i looked it up after i watched it um with my friend Robin. So we're like, weirdest mascots. Because how freaking weird is this? There's some weird ones. Look it up. Um, it's been since Well, I mean, October, even like Santa Cruz is a banana slug. Yeah. But a baby's weirder. Uh, so yeah. Compton High School, their mascot's a baby. Weird. Fun fact. Okay. Pretty sure that fact's right. Um, that very weird. If you yeah. go to Compton High and your mascot is not a baby, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or Tony Gardner made it. 
who that we're just getting all sorts of like you know uh tie in love because he made the ghost face mask from Scream. all of them including, including the tv, TV show. show okay cool. yeah yeah which also fun fact i hated that originally and now i love it yes I was so against it when they were like, not that mask. And I was like, then why the fuck are you making this show? And why then, is it Scream? And then I watched it and I was like, this is good. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, good. And I like the mask too. Yeah. Um, I didn't know this about the pig mask. Yeah. So like fun trivia on this. Uh, it was supposed to be, there was like two mask concepts. One was a pig, which Tony Gardner also designed. And the other one was a baby. And Landon like describes he was expecting like his first child at the time. Um, and so he's like, well, I think I just had baby on the brain. But he, like, picked up the baby mask and wore that. He had both, like, prototypes. And he, like, walked out into the hall and scared one of his coworkers. And he's like, okay, that's it. Yeah, this is it. Because, I mean, that'd be really creepy if I just saw, like, right now, if I was walking down the street and somebody just, like, walked by me in a fucking baby mask. I'd be I like, think it'd oh, be super off-putting. Yeah. I'd be like, is this a psychopath? Like, do I need to, like, run away? Also, Pig, I just think of Saw. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they made a comment about that. Like, it had kind of already been done. So, this is great, too. It's really original. I don't know why the mask isn't out. It, it is. No. I just looked it up today. No, I looked. I saw it the other day because when I went to buy the Happy Death Day Blu-ray. Um, Happy Death Day mask. Right there. It's official? Mm, no. I don't know. No, it's not official. No, it's a there's cosplay no, mask. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's no license. I was like, I literally just looked. There's no licensed masks for it. Weird. I don't know why that is. Um, I really want one. Like, I genuinely want one. So please, like, Blumhouse, make that happen. I know Thanks. some people that work Universal, there. make that happen because it is a Universal film It as is. Well. Yeah, Universal, man. Killing it with the horror this year. This and Killing it. Killing it in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were right behind Disney for money making. Love it. Um, okay, so our killer um, is wears the, that mask. Yeah. It's the roommate. It's her roommate. Um, Lori. Lori. Lori yes. with an I. Sure. Um, yeah, That's thanks. Ins- thanks, IMDb. Spangler. <sighs> Should have known right there. That's um, Weak-ass motive. Such Holy a bad shit. motive. Yeah, so in and the movie... And they make fun of it in the movie, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tree calls her out for it. So in the movie, Tree is um, having sex with one of her professors who is married, married. So it's a, they're having an affair. And you find out that Lori is also having an affair with this professor. And that's why she wants to kill Tree. Because the professor chooses to have sex with Tree more, more than, than have sex with Lori. So it's, she's jealous that he was cheating, wasn't cheating on his wife with her more. Like, what the hell? And Tree calls her out, like, in the finale and is like, you're killing me over a guy? And she's like, no, also because you're a bitch. Oh, yeah. And it's like, well, okay, so it's the guy. It's really just the guy. It's probably one of the weakest parts of the movie. Yeah. But I don't mind it too much because the movie never takes itself super seriously. So I didn't need a super serious no. motive. But it is a weak motive. Yeah. And also, but Lori is honestly kind of a weak character. Like, she, like, is the whole movie. She's very, like... They purposely don't give us a lot of info about her because they don't want you to think. So, I mean, I knew... Yeah, we both guessed it pretty early. I guessed it second kill. The party scene where Danielle and Tree are talking and she says, um, where is Lori? She's like, oh, I think she's working at double tonight. And I'm like, oh, she's the killer. Easy. That's right there. That is your setup for why she's not there, which means that she's the killer. I guessed that pretty early. Did not guess the cupcake, like, trying to murder, like, why she was dying each day. And so, Ben, my husband, watched it with me this morning. 
Um, he guessed it because of the cupcake. He looked at me and he said, it's the roommate. At the same time, but not for that moment. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, the cupcake. It all has to do with the cupcake. It started with the cupcake. And I'm like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. So I don't think that detracts from the film at all. Nope. Because they do a really good job when we get to the tomb storyline of you going, oh, I mean, it is tombs. Right. Like, for sure, it's him. Yeah. And that's part of the reason I have, like, so much fun with this movie and and same as b i guess it early and you know there's no concrete evidence it's just like this gut feeling you get when you've watched 200 slasher movies yeah. but it's like oh for sure but they do right. a good job at like red herring like they're yeah. like especially if you've never like if you don't think it's Lori at all they spend they send you down a couple different paths of like oh maybe it's this like boy this guy who she went on a date with and like is creepily kind of stalking her maybe it's like this really rude like pushy like lead of the sorority um or maybe it's this professor or maybe it's this professor's wife or like whatever and then um you know like the who done it is really the plot of the movie right and even like this whole tomb so you find out this guy tombs is like a serial killer who targets women that look like tree like very you know attractive young blondes and he's he's in the hospital that of her town and like there is a part where tree straight up is like oh it's it's him like it's tombs um and yeah so um like tombs is kind of the killer but uh it's kind of, it's almost like kind of like two killers but eventually you get to a point where tree realizes she well, she kills tombs like mm-hmm. she she kills tombs and she still dies so she realizes that it's not tombs um and that's when we find out it's Lori. but i even at that moment like i had already suspected Lori, but when they did that i was like oh shit maybe i was wrong like oh like yeah it was like she's still involved i knew she had to be involved some way and i'm like so my theory was that her affair was with tombs <laughs> i didn't even think about the doctor like i didn't make that connection right i was like oh her her affair is with tombs she was like falling in love with this psychopath and he's convinced her to help her kill right we find out eventually because Lori is a nurse, so we find out that she's just been letting Tombs out because she yeah. has access to him. And then, like, essentially, like, because she lets him out, she's, like, leads him to Tree. Yes. Uh, the body count is technically one. I mean, I guess two, but just on repeat because uh, Tree dies a lot. And other people. Yeah, I guess there's yeah, like, but I like the, the the concrete kill is one. Yeah, because Lori. Lori's the, the only person when the movie ends. She's the only person that has died. Right. Uh, the first kill happens, and uh, it's it's the first time we see like Tree's whole day. So she goes through her whole day. She wakes up in Carter's apartment. So you like, and she's super rude to him. Like you find like it kind of seems like they had a one night stand. Um, you find out later that they didn't. Like Carter literally just took her home because she was drunk and he slept on the couch and like made his roommate sleep in the car so that she could have the bed, and um, and so like there's that whole thing which evolves obviously as the movie goes on and then she goes to her sorority. You meet Laura. You meet Danielle. You see how her sorority acts. They're very like uptight. They're very um. Uh, holier than thou uh definitely consider themselves better than a lot of people we uh, find out it's her birthday yeah we find out it's her birthday which she doesn't like uh like publicizing she doesn't like to celebrate it at all even though she doesn't like to celebrate it. her ringtone is your it's your birthday i don't know why uh, uh because uh Lori did that she changed uh, her ringtone okay. that's a plot point i don't remember that and they're like in that first thing, she's like, you're the one who changed, because she brings the cupcake, and she's like, how'd you know? Oh. And she said, your driver's license. She's like, you're the one who changed my ringtone. Got it. Okay. Um, so then later that night, uh, Tree is walking to the party? 
she's walking to the fraternity sigma something party um and she like passes a group of people getting ready for the big game right is what they label it so she sees somebody in the baby mask and you can see them like behind her as she's walking they like stop and they stare at her and so we see that she doesn't see that and that's when they the initial like horror starts you're like okay here we go we've started it here's our like suspect yeah and that whole shot's cool too she's like walking under this tunnel and there's just a music box by itself in the Mm -hmm. tunnel and like there's no one there and she like that's the first time that the killer shows up definitively and uh he kills her yeah uh knife to the throat uh, then she wakes up again, and she's very confused and doesn't. Th- she, this is before she realizes she's living the same day yeah. over and over again. The she, second one, she's literally just like, "Wow, I had a really weird dream. This is all really familiar." Yeah, and so we almost see the day exactly it's like the, same the same day. Yeah, yeah it's we don't almost, get anything. She, there's cut. no change really yeah. with her. Um, she makes it to the party this time though, uh, and then the, like this guy is trying to hook up with her. And what's like he called? The pleasure dome. Yeah. yeah. He turns on like freaking EDM music. And again, his whole room is like, um, like lights up black and light, stuff. Yeah. And he like starts dancing all crazy. And I just like was watching that and I'm like, I bet this is like a thing now. Like that's not when we were younger. That's not what frat bros did. But like now that's a thing. Like going to like raves and like EDM oh, yeah. music and stuff. That's like something popular. Like you can be a frat boy and do that and not just be like a. Oh, yeah. Like a stoner or whatever. And so I was like, oh, my God, I bet you, like, some people act like this. What a, like, gross. And even Tree was like, oh, God. Oh, like, yeah, she's super not into like, it. She's, like, not into it at all. And, and then, like, he gets killed. Yeah, he gets killed. Um, And then she gets killed with a broken bong to the throat, yeah. I think. Well, yeah. So this is PG-13. Mm-hmm. We don't see any. The only gore, the only blood we see in the entire movie is when Lori falls. Yep. And a little bit of blood like splatters up, but you still don't see her body. There right. are no visual kills in this. Yeah, they, it cuts to black mm-hmm. when the kills happen, which she is fine up. because it's with Tree. That's when she wakes up yeah. the next day. Uh, third kill is the bedroom knife through the door. Is that when she like barricades herself? So in her yeah, this is when she's just like freaked out. This is she's finally realizing like somebody's trying to kill me. Um, this is the first time she tells Carter, and he's like, "Oh wow, you have a lot of enemies." You're not a very good person, basically. Right. And she's like, yeah, this is pointless. So she barricades herself in her room, and that's when we have that moment where she's, like, walking to the bathroom that I saw. And this is, I think, one of these earlier ones where they, like, take their time a little bit more um, with the kills are some of the best tension-filled moments. Like, I think that first one with the tunnel and the music box is really creepy. And there's a jump scare in there that got Ben this morning. Really? I, like, looked, and he's like what and when uh like baby face like drops down oh yeah yeah and like over the tunnel and he like went like this and he's like oh, yeah got me <laughs> and so that was really good and i think this one's really good too the like, bedroom one is one of the best ones it I is think. yeah i, I loved like that one TV. she's watching yeah. tv and then she can't find the remote and she almost eats the cupcake yeah and we're like oh my and she's gonna eat the cupcake like what does that mean and then nope so she gets killed. You can see, like, the knife go through the door. Right. And that this is, like, basically is when we kind of transition into montage mode. Yeah. Um, and, like, so Tria's pretty much at this point figured out what is happening to her. And she's trying to figure out what who is the killer. And she's also – but it's it does a really good job because she's evolving as a character. Because Tria starts this movie as a very callous, like um, – 
like just she's offensive. Yeah, yeah, she's what well, she's like. You find out eventually that her mom and her shared a birthday, and her mom is dead, and so she's just kind of retracted since then. And like, she doesn't have a good relationship with her dad, and she is just kind of a bitch. And she evolves. The reason why I like this movie so much is because more than most slasher movies, Tree has a complete arc. Um, most like a lot of slasher movies you see it's about women becoming um stronger and like um realizing like uh, like to me a lot of slasher movies are about how women realize that they can do things on their own and about being strong um and like being leaders and and things like that but this and like they're also they're usually though likable from the beginning like i think sydney is a very likable character from mm-hmm. the beginning of scream i think uh, i can't remember any now but jennifer love hewitt's character in i know what you did last summer is very likable from the beginning uh laurie is super likable in halloween yeah um tree sucks she is not nice she is not a good person carter is a good person and she treats him like crap and you know she associates with people who treat other people poorly and she's just not a great person and you see this character arc of her evolving and like not only does she change into a better person but she's able to like come to better terms with her father about everything that's happened she's able to like kind of celebrate her birthday and not mourn her mother um she does become a stronger like she does all the classic slasher stuff where she becomes like this strong woman who like literally fights tombs at the end and she's like very creative she's very smart she's very strong like strong-willed but she also has like a very very like complete arc that you don't normally see like it's very rare when i see a slasher movie and like like literally everyone i'm thinking of right now like even like the final girls which you bought today and like all these movies like the characters start out usually as like relatively good people that you enjoy and you like seeing and then you enjoy when they get the upper hand when the whole movie they're kind of like running 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 and then they get the upper hand and take the stance and like are able to fight back but tree the it's about her growth as a character mm-hmm. and that's what this montage is kind of about yeah too. it's about her finding out her killer and also kind of finding out who she is as a person right and that like harsh real realization that she has to deal with and and which is why is somebody trying to kill me and you know if i'm looking at what people's motives are to kill me it means that i've done something bad right and what does that mean about me and what does that mean you know and i think it helps her big growth comes when she ties it in with her mom and she's, you know, sitting at the diner talking to Carter and going, I don't think my mom would like the person that I am anymore. And she's just sort of realizing that since her mom's death, we assume that that's when this poor behavior started. Um, since her mom's death, she just isn't a good person. Right. And maybe that's the problem. Yeah. And she that's like... like she softens to carter she like lowers her guard to him and he becomes like a true friend he's not a romantic interest initially but Mm -hmm. she he like truly becomes like a friend and a confidant which what that builds the romance um and then also you know like i think she like there's that part there's a scene because she every you know time she dies she goes through and she's going to a sorority meeting and like the danielle calls this girl out for having chocolate milk and like there's finally the scene where tree like calls danielle out and then dumps the chocolate milk on her so like she becomes sympathetic towards other people it's definitely like a really it's a good natural progression of a story arc it, it never feels rushed or forth it's very it is very just natural like but mm-hmm. as it, it like as it's happening you just you go along with it and by the end you're like oh that was really nice to see um 
So you get like this kind of bout in the middle where it's a lot of montages death. She gets a knife through the stomach when she finds out that the guy she went on a date with is gay. And it's great later because she later tells him that love is love. And like, if you're gay, be gay, dude. Like, yeah. you don't have to date me. Just go be gay. Yeah. Um, she drowns in a fountain while watching Stephanie. She's hit by a bus with Danielle. Um, she, all, the, all this crazy stuff is happening. And that's how she's crossing those people out because it can't be Tim if she gets killed while she's watching him. And right. it can't be Stephanie if she gets drowned in the fountain. And it can't be Danielle if Danielle gets killed with her. Right. Um, so that's sort of, we do get these like fun montages of her trying out new things and like walking down the court naked and dyeing her hair and doing all these things that she just is like, fuck it, like my life is insanity right now. It doesn't really matter. This day is just gonna, I don't know who my killer is. Right. And it's like you said, it's very much about her exploring herself yes. and finding out who she is. And it's like, Kind of something we all wish we could do is yeah, like I think everybody's wished for that ability is to just like do things with no repercussion because realistically there is none because she's get, she gets her, a clean slate her health yeah yeah I mean because we like later find out like when she finally we get to like kind of one of the more extended periods of mm-hmm. uh like one of her kills yeah because I'd say kill three through. Seven, seven yeah it's montage are all montage that all happens really quickly we just see little snippets and it's really just about her crossing people off the list and us seeing her develop as a person right so by kill eight she like goes to the hospital she's taken there by the professor she's having an affair with <sighs> and he dies thank god he and, sucks i and, wish he really died and then she's escaping the hospital the cop dies but while she's in the hospital she finds out like they say like your insides are all fucked up. Like, it looks like you've experienced major trauma. You should be dead. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. They, like, literally say, like, you should be dead. Yeah, so she we... She has scar tissue here, and, like, you know, they can see every knife that she's gotten. They can see the scars to her organs from that. Yeah, so um, it is having a physical toll yeah. on her body. And this is when she realizes that she doesn't have an unlimited yeah, number of, she's like, running out scar of time. numbers. Um, so she kind of buckles down, and she realizes it's tombs she develops a plan she goes there to kill tombs um the security guard and night nurse are both killed and she's running away she's about actually about to like successfully get away and tombs kills carter and by this point she has essentially fallen in love with him um and she realizes that if she doesn't start her day over carter will be dead forever so she does kill herself this time well, and before that, we have her escaping. Right. Yeah, which is... What do you mean? That's the kill before. Oh, yeah, escaping so with the, thinks, co- the cop car. Yeah, yeah, so she thinks she's getting away and she's won, which I think is really great at that point because mm-hmm. you're like, okay, like, here's some solace and she's going to figure this out. And you think maybe because, like, she just escaped from a hospital and, like, Gregory got killed and you think maybe we're going to, like... At that point, I think if the movie ended there... It would have given enough time for you to find out why she's in the time loop. Right. And so when I first watched it, I was like, oh, okay, this is it. Like, we're going to figure it out. And then that's when we get sort of like, I think, one of the more visual kills with like the candle dropping into the gas. Right. And then the um, car exploding. But yeah. Then uh, we get into the the Carter getting killed. Right. And what, then she kills herself. And then um, the next day... She's, like, developed this whole plan. She goes total, like, badass, and she kills Tombs. But then she has, like, this really sweet moment with Carter, and it's very, like, 
it would have been 16 like your candles. It's very 16 yeah. candles. It would have been like your prototypical ending to this kind of slasher movie. And then, but in true slasher fashion, bam, it's not the, like, like, you know, akin to the killer sitting up or like reaching their hand out of the grave. She wakes up again. Um, and tree realizes like, what, why am I, de- why am I dead? I killed tombs. And that's when she finally pieces together that Lori has been the one killing her. Cause the reason she died the night before her and Carter eat the Celebrate cupcake. Celebrate her birthday, yeah. Yeah. So she runs cupcake. to her dorm and was like, well, I'm just going to run. Like, I'm literally just going to flee, which probably would have saved her life. Yeah. I mean, she wouldn't have ate the cupcake. Yeah. And Tombs wouldn't have got to her. Yeah. But. And Lori, I mean, they maybe they would have dived into that. So essentially that could have saved her. She goes to pack up and then it all clicks for her when the cupcake gets offered to her. Yep. Um so her and Lori get into a fight, and that's where we get, like, the weak motive, and she shoves that shit in Lori's mouth, shoves the cupcake in her mouth, and then she full-on kicks her. Yeah. Like, she jumps up and, like, grabs onto her light fixture. Yep. And, like, swing kicks her ass. Out of the window. Yeah. And it was pretty gratifying. Yeah, it was great. It's funny because Lori's not in the movie very much, no. but in a very small amount of time, you're like, she fucking sucks. Yeah. And, like, when she dies, you're like, good, she's dead now. Yeah. Well, also just because you hate her reasoning. Like, seriously? You're, like, killing her over, like, that shady-ass professor who sucks? Yeah, who's not even very attractive. He's not. He just has a freaking accent. Who cares? And, like, when Free, like, because Tree does, like, do wrap up all these loose ends by the last, when she's realized what's happening, you know, like, she tell, she calls it off with the professor and, you know, she, like, she, like, helps Tim out by telling him, like, if you're gay, be gay. But, like, um... To like when she calls it off with the professor he's like you're not getting an a in this class anymore yeah i was like wow and she's like i dropped it anyways no my favorite is like when she goes and she's like i have something to tell you because she was like gonna confide in him that something crazy was happening and he's like i know for young girls like he's trying to tell her like don't fall in love with me and she looks at him and she's like, I'm not fucking falling in love with you and then instantly he like starts kissing her is like really upset like um what like oh no like what a freaking like predator he's he's a creep he's picking up his college students and hoping that they fall in love with him because that gives him some sick gratification and i hate that guy and i wish he would have died oh yeah he doesn't end up no yeah he's probably fired i hope you die in the sequel gregory uh, and then, so, uh, the, the movie ends with Carter playing a joke on Tree. She wakes up the next morning in his dorm, and he, like, does the same thing that has been happening every morning, and she's like, what? And he's like, ah, I'm just fucking with you. Um, and it's actually a very, like, sweet ending. Like, it, it like, ends with her basically being very smitten with Carter and the two of them kissing, and, and then, you know, we get, I think, a voiceover, right? She died 16 times? Is that a voiceover? No, she says it a few times. Like, you're not going to kill me for the 17th time. So we see see her 11 times. um, Like, that's shown on screen. But she makes a comment, apparently. um, Well, she does make it. I heard it once where she says, like, don't kill me. But Ben's like, no, she says it a few times. And I'm like, oh. I don't know. He's a very observant person. So it was nice to watch it with him. He's like, this is... I asked him, I'm like, when did that person die? And he's like, oh, in this scene and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, great. That's why you watch it in groups. Yeah, so other people can pick up things from you. But, yeah, the thing with the ending, I was trying to think about it today because it is a little weird how quick Carter is to believe her Mm -hmm. and how quick he is to just be like, oh, yeah, I completely understand. And the, the, the ending where he plays a trick on her 
of like saying the same thing, he wouldn't necessarily have known that. So that's like a little, feels a little shoehorned in. And the only thing that I justify it with as I've been thinking about it is that he was already into her. And well, so. Yeah. So he was definitely into her. And part of it for me is, and this is going to sound really weird, but like as soon as Carter pops up and I see his dorm, I'm like, that guy's a nerd. Like you can just tell, like, I'm like, that guy is a nerd. And so to me, he is a hundred percent the person that someone was like, Hey, I got to tell you something. This is happening. That would just be like, because I am this person. I'd be like, fuck yeah, that's real. And this is why. And now I'll help you beat it. Like, there's just a part is of Is it me... the They Live poster by his bed? That yeah, like... I mean, that definitely helps. <laughs> it's just something about him in general where I was like, this kid is like, he's he's definitely attractive. And he's like a he's like a good looking dude and a good guy. But he's a nerd. And so like, like this fool. If anybody's some... going to believe yeah. the Groundhog if, if, Day storyline. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. For, for no, some reason, just for, for sure. me, like, Carter just, like, seems like the type of person who would, like, he's he is uh, uh, very much uh, molder. He wants to believe. So, like, when someone, like, it's like me. Like, I don't necessarily believe in ghosts, but I want to believe. So anytime someone tells me a ghost story, I'm like, oh, yeah, I eat that shit up. I'm like, tell me, tell me what happened. Like, mm-hmm. what, tell me what weird, like, and I love reading about it, too, just, like, experiences. So I could kind of... But you're no, right. Like I get it. That's why it doesn't super bug me. But then I think probably because this wasn't the original ending, um, I think that's the only thing that kind of bugs me about it is the fact that he sit, like looks over her at her and does the exact same right. thing. I'm like, so you would have had to have remembered exactly what you said to her like yesterday morning to play that trick on her. I don't not not so much like don't understand why he believes. I get that, and I do think like the more I thought of it, I was like. Well, he already liked her, obviously. Mm-hmm. And we see her grow to realize that he's a good person and she, like, develops a crush on him. doesn't really matter that he hasn't spent right. all those days with her. He already had feelings going into it. So that all makes sense. The ending, it's a little weird, but I don't really care. That's, like, super nitpicky. That's what we're here to do is nitpick. Yeah. Uh, favorite kill in the movie? This is part where we pick our favorite kill, which we do in every movie. Um, I don't... There's not, like... Be- this isn't a knock on the movie but because of its pg-13 rating like there is no kills that like stand out a whole lot to me because a lot of the times my favorite kill is based on like some cool like effect or some cool like way that a kill was shot or like any of these sort of things but with this one we don't really get a lot of that um i think the cinematography in particular and like the for the like the car blowing up shot is really good um uh, I think uh, I'll pick my favorite kill as Lori dying because I hate her. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, I think, well, I'm going to kind of pick two. So I love, I love the kill where she hangs herself. Yeah. Um, because effective. it's really effective and it's the turning point in the film um, where she wants to be a better person and she realizes that her day does have consequences. Like, she did all of these things, like, I'm going to walk down naked and there's no consequences. But then I think she forgot if she finds out who her killer is, that Mm -hmm. day stands still. Right. So I think that's a great kill because it really pushes the movie forward and we see our, like, tree turning into our final girl, which I really love. Um, as far as favorite kill for its effectiveness, I think I had to go with the bedroom, like the trapped mm-hmm. in the bedroom one, just because 
I think I did. I mean, I love the music box in the tunnel one too. Like, I think that's a great first kill. Um, but I like the like confined in the bedroom um, shower uh, one as well. Yeah, uh, and I think like a lot of the kills are fun. I don't think again, I don't think the PG thirteen rating or like the story makes the kills less fun. I think just for me, like when I think of like a kill in a slasher movie, I'm looking for that kind of like outside of the boxness. Yeah, um, like sleeping bag over the fire all the right, Friday the yes. Um I really like this movie. I think it's really good. I think that it is kind of when we look back on like people you you look at slashers and they definitely like are they're in blocks you know like mm-hmm. you have you have your very few that ex- like they call them proto slashers like before halloween that's yeah. pre-halloween and then you get um halloween knockoffs and that's things like friday the 13th and, like all of the holiday theme stuff all the kind of like theme stuff and like um you know silent figure like the silent powerful figure like michael you get all that stuff and then um you have your like supernatural themed ones, like right? Freddy and... Right. You have like yeah, you have, you have your supernatural themed ones, and then I think the like especially for us, but also just like I think a huge part of the genre world is, and you'll hear this phrase a lot, is post scream. And so post scream slashers are all of the slashers, the wave of slashers that came out in the late nineties to like mid aughts that followed very closely to the scream formula it was a group of kids that were probably older than they were pretending to be Mm -hmm. um they had like very witty sharp dialogue it was all kind of like tongue-in-cheek wink at the camera like meta it's a whodunit Um, yeah it's a whodunit um you know it's very much based around booze sex partying college um you know so i think like post scream is a very very big phase of Mm -hmm. movies and then we've had them here and there and you know i think um, you've had your like uh, outliers like i think uh, hatchet is an excellent example of a slasher movie i think um you know even like scream 4 which was well well after like the slasher craze of the late Mm -hmm. 90s but I truly think that Happy Death Day is the, when we look back on it, will be the first entry into the, what I'm going to call the slasher revival, because Happy Death Day is out, we're going to get Tragedy Girl soon, which has been on the festival circuits forever and is widely loved, Um, and that's a slasher movie. Um, Victor Crowley's coming out February, which is also getting a ton of acclaim, um, and like horror fans are eating that up, um, and that's a slasher movie. And then this October, we get the new Halloween um so i just i can't unless we completely stumble and fall i can't see any reason that a slasher revival is not happening it's hard to talk about its position in the horror landscape right now this movie because it's three months old uh but i do think i'm never like gonna look at it and be like that's when it all changed because I do think there are those slashers out there that have that effect. I think you know, Halloween and Scream and yeah, it's and, not like this presented. It we're not going as as much as I put it down. Groundhog horror or time loop horror. That's this movie isn't going to create that trend of slashers, right? But it's going to give us more slashers. I guarantee it. Yes, I and I think like it will be looked upon kindly um, when we look back on it, and I think it will be looked upon as like this was the start of like you know, and it's lucky too. It fell in a year where horror was a success. We had mm-hmm. Get Out, and we had It, and we had those movies, and um, you know, horror started getting big again this year, and so like really big. So 
it, I think it was a if it, it fell into a fortunate time. I also think that like when um, slashers have always been really big when like cultural change happens on a mass level. Um, slashers kind of come to the forefront, and this is it's like right at that. So um, yeah, I think I think overall it will do very well over time. Um, I where are you ranking it? Um, I'm going to say one. I am too. Yeah. Okay. I was worried I was going to have to argue. Um, I, cause I was thinking, I was like, I know it's better than absolutely all the other ones. Like I, I enjoy as a slasher, as a straight up slasher more than all of them, except maybe urban legend, yeah. but, but it even surpasses urban legend for me. And like the more I thought about it, 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 tr- it truly is because of trees arc. Mm-hmm. Like I love her arc. I think that it has all of the very, very like lovable tropes of a slash movie it has the whodunit it has some like party stuff in it it has um you know like it has the group of like um group of characters that you end up rooting for rooting against uh it has a very like i think the killer is really cool like um like the baby mask is super cool um i just think it kind of nails like everything i like about slashers and then the one of the like my favorite things about it is as much as I love a theme slasher, if you can make a slasher movie I like that's not like themed, quote 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 unquote themed, um, like you know holiday themed or like you know urban legend yeah. themed, like that's a bonus because whoa, that's that's impressive to do. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna put it above because I think the, I think urban legend still might work better, might slightly work better as a slasher if we break it down. Because this one does rely so much on the Groundhog Day formula. But we have such a strong final girl mm-hmm. in this film um, that we don't get in Natalie in Urban Legend. Mm-hmm. And that's what pushes this film, her arc. And the kills in this are just as creative um, and just as interesting. And yeah, it's just excellent and i i regard it very close to urban legend mm-hmm. yeah yeah think... it definitely like if it, it's interesting because i think let's see out of our it's definitely the first one we've watched that's been supernatural mm-hmm. in any form because mo- most slashers like a large amount of slashers don't have any supernatural like themes like unless you get in, like I mean, once you Jason does, you know, like they weirdly, all, they all become super. Yeah, Michael becomes supernatural. Yeah, Jason He's does. Not really, I mean, Freddie is one. the only one that like really from the get go is not. You know, yeah. Victor Crowley is very supernatural. He's like this giant monster that was raised from the dead or whatever his story sure, may be. Yeah, but like so, this is the first one that we've watched though for the show that has like this kind of like supernatural theme, and I think sometimes like when you introduce supernatural elements it's really hard because it can deviate from being a slasher movie mm-hmm. and this does a great job at staying a slasher movie even yeah. though it, it introduces those It doesn't those let elements. the time loop and get in the way of the story itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just a device. Right. And I mean, like, it has the advantage of being made in 2017. So mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. it, it, it's chic. It has gloss to it, but it's also Which we like, yeah. It, but it's just smartly written. Like, I like, I truly either enjoy the characters or hate the characters. Which, if you can make me hate a character, it's just as good as loving a character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, I just like I said, I think like you said, um, her arc, like I think that 
the motive isn't as like the motive is weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, what's oh, her yes. name? In, that um, Rebecca Gayhart's yeah. character. I can't remember her I name now. Her name. Um, in Urban Legend, has a better motive. But I just think that like Natalie is such a vanilla character to me, and like Tree is so strong above that. And you know there aren't you know final girls aren't in every slasher either. We've got Blood Rage and Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh-huh. We've covered don't have final girls, but I think they're like one of Brenda the stand- Bates. Oh yeah, Brenda yeah. Bates. Um, but I think that is one of the standout characters when they do exist, mm-hmm. and she is by far the strongest one we've seen so far. Brenda. No, no. Uh, tree. Oh, final, so girl. Final, final girl. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She is. She truly is, and that's. It, like you said, it isn't necessary. Either you have to think you it's necessary to have one. You either have to have an excellent killer with a very good backstory like we do with Silent Night, Deadly Night, and then mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who the final girl is because the story is really about the killer. Right. Or you have to have an excellent final girl and you don't really care about the killers. Ideally, you get both, but mm-hmm. that's not always going to happen. Right. And like I said, we don't get a lot of screen time with um, Lori. And I think that's on purpose because you can't spend too much time with any character because um, it's going to start giving away who they are. Right. The, I think we see Danielle the most. And Carter immediately isn't a suspect. She crosses him out. Yeah. Um, and then I think she spends the most time with Danielle after that. Yeah. Maybe the professor. And you're still, I don't know. No, I I think and like that I think that works for this movie too. Yeah. Though. Like, I think we build this movie does a great job of balancing like our um adoration for the main character while still giving us a group of ancillary characters but not um like we don't have to spend too much time with them to yeah. develop feelings for them which I think is good too it's just good writing yeah. and good direction like I think that um like everything all of, all of the people involved for the editing you know the writing the direction was all they were very good so yeah number 1 so it's our new number 1 Woo. um I think it's is this our sixth movie? Yeah. So it's our sixth movie, um, and then we have more movies lined up. Oh, we're headed into February, so my bloody Valentine is on the slate. I don't. Is that our next one? No, our next one airs on like my birthday, I think. Yes. But I don't know. We haven't picked it. We don't know what we're doing next. Oh, so we haven't picked one. We're definitely yeah. going to do my bloody Valentine. So, and you know, if you guys want to chime in on this, we were talking about it. Um, we were thinking about making my bloody Valentine our first double feature. Yeah. Doing the original and the remake. Um, we're not quite sure. We have to discuss how we want to handle that. Whether we do like two episodes or an extra long episode or we do like my bloody valentine month or something right but i think no matter what we're gonna do both in february how we do that we don't know yeah so reach out to us you can find us at um at screaming cast on twitter or uh you can find b uh on twitter at b not b that's b-e-e not b-e-a and i'm at ryan larson i just wanted to do that to prove to myself that i could Good job. Yeah, I have never been able to get through our Twitter <laughs> handle properly. Uh, we just uh, made an Instagram, again, at ScreamingCast, so we're going to be on there. Um, I'll post similar things I do to Twitter, but I'll also post, um, if you just got a laptop, so posters will be coming. Um, we'll have a Happy Death Day one. I don't know if it'll be up right with the episode, but it'll be up soon. Um, I'm working on it. Um, but I'll post some like behind the scenes stuff of me creating it. So that'll kind of like save for the Instagram. Yeah. Um, so find us on there. Definitely check out the Instagram too. Cause we, like I said, we watch these movies in groups and you know, we'll definitely probably be posting some 
stuff from there. Yeah, some we're, like behind the scenes stuff on yeah. Instagram is kind of what that's we're for. We're fun. Yeah. Um, you can also find me online uh, at uh, ghastlygrinning.com. It's my horror media website. It's a hub for horror uh, where we look at things through an academic and optimic, optimistic lens. Um, so that's ghastlygrinning.com. So you can find uh, me over there. And B is also a contributing writer at Ghastly Grinning. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll let you know as soon as we find out what the next movie is. But February, look forward to my bloody Valentine, both of them, because we're big fans of both movies. And also Jensen Knackles is mm-hmm. the most darling person on the planet. Yes. We just need him. all the supernatural boys to be in all the horror movies again. Oh, yeah. I always forget about Jared. Uh, Jared's been in like a million and they're all great and I love them. And... We will cover Cry Wolf one yes. day. Don't worry. Maybe that's what we'll do next. Yeah, I am a big fan of Cry Wolf. I love Cry Wolf. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for sticking it out with us. Thanks for listening. Reach out to us. We love it. When you do, you have a lot, and it's been very encouraging. Um, so rate, review, subscribe if you can. Tell your friends about us. Yeah, we are now um, – we're on Apple Podcasts. Um, we are also now on um, Stitcher. Stitcher. Yeah. So we just went up on Stitcher. Um, I don't know if we'll get – I submitted all the stuff for Spotify, but they're pretty picky. Yeah. I think we have to have a few more episodes for them to really um, put us in. So – Find us on um, Apple Podcasts, rate us, subscribe to us. It definitely helps review us. Same with Stitcher. It helps people find us. Um, so we would really appreciate it. Yeah. And check out the website. Like we said, we have a list of all the movies on there and the order. And B puts up her posters on there for the movies, which are all designed specifically for that movie. Um, so, yeah, just keep tuning in and we'll keep coming back at you biweekly. And thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>